What's up, guys? I'm Sean Lights Out Merriman, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming up this week on the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. I'm guessing you lost your suitcase and you've left all your Chargers gear in the Alps. Other than that, I don't think there's anybody else in the office that had the ball that really contributed so much more. I mean, Mike Williams had a career year, I guess, but uh, I mean, honestly, again, you know my friends on Mike. He's, he's a great player, and I love the chemistry, but. Hello and welcome to the Charged Up Bolts podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Bermudez, and on this podcast, we bring you the latest Chargers news. We preview and review every Chargers game, and this off-season, we bring you the hottest takes around. It's the start of our off-season content. Forget the Super Bowl. We don't care about any Rams or Bengals. Go Bengals! Um, But it's going to get really spicy. We're going to bring you the really big in-depth takes on who we should re-sign, who should we let go, the kind of players we should be targeting a free agency, the draft. We're going to get really in-depth with the draft. For this week, the first proper week as we dive into free agency, we're going to be saying goodbye to Tom Brady. We're going to be looking at our players of the season and we're going to be assessing Tom Telesco and asking the question, which we've been asking you on Twitter over our poll. We're going to give you the results shortly. Should Telesco be fired? Has he been a success or a failure? I am joined by three fantastic co-hosts, as always. First up, John was Jr. How's it going, buddy? It's good to see you back from uh, France skiing. He didn't break a leg. <laughs> I survived. What didn't survive I, 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 although, is beard. And I'm guessing you lost your suitcase and you've left all your Chargers gear in the Alps again. <laughs> I've got seven American. What are we on now? Six thousand dollars for the Red Cross <laughs> in fines. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just in mourning because the beard didn't make it back. You know, I had this wonderful bushy beard, and it's been massacred. My wife wouldn't let it stay. We had a family vote, and and unfortunately, I lost lost the vote, and uh, it's gone. Um, but from no beard to a sexy beard in California, it is John Ayers. So the mistake you made was say, "Fine, no beard." shave it and go with the handlebar mustache and say, oh, is this better? And then they're like, well, you should have let me keep the beard. That's what I did. It worked out pretty well. Um, you see, that's the hey, thing, John. You got to be one step ahead of the family. I'm telling you right now. Uh, how's it going, man? It's good to hear you. I hope you can hear me okay. I don't have my mic today. Uh, so I'm using just these un- unbranded speaker headphones. Hopefully they don't sound too bad. John, to be fair, I would I would get that $200 back for the mic because that sounds pretty good, my friend. <laughs> uh, oh, look at my wife giving giving it large. I'm absolutely unbelievable. Get out. Uh, last but not least, it is my main man with the best beard of all of us. It is Dan King. I mean, it's definitely not the best beard of all of us because my OCD will see to that and you'll notice there's some, some big old blotchy patches. But how you doing, Bez? <laughs> Mate, I've missed you all. You know, it's it's the off season. We don't really care about the Super Bowl. Well, maybe we do a little bit next week. We'll talk about it then. We got. The I'm Pro more Bowl. interested in superb owls. Yes, superb owls for Wednesday. Love What's happening with them? <laughs> Winning two on the trot. But you know, <laughs> first, there's some big news that's happened. Huge news. 22 years in the NFL. He's broken Chargers' hearts. He's broken everyone's hearts, apart from Eli Manning's. Sorry to swear on the podcast. Tom Brady has finally, twice, I think, retired this offseason. It is final. It is official. He is leaving. Um, you know, pay tribute, guys. You know, we, our last playoff appearance, I believe, was a defeat, 41-28 to uh, 
the Tom Brady New England Patriots. What's the NFL going to be like without him? John Ayres. Hey, Bolt fam. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. Unfortunately, the Chargers are not playing, but in honour of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use a promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 and over, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPENY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y-467-369. I think... Uh... I think it's going to be a better place. Let's be honest. Uh, not, not really. I mean, uh, I saw a great uh, tweet out by someone the other day that was like, "Hey, you know, now that he's officially retired, I can actually say, hey, I respect the guy.'" And I do. Uh, I, I really do. He's, uh, you know, one of the greatest of all time to do it. And unfortunately, he did it so many times against the Chargers that it just kills me. Uh, you know, you feel bad for for Phil. Phil Rivers had so many opportunities where it felt like, okay, this could be the year. This is the time we break through. And it just always seemed like whenever that was the case, Tom Brady showed up to break our hearts. So, uh, you know, I am, you know, much respect to him being one of the greatest of all times, but you know, it couldn't be any happier to see you go. So adios. Dan, you know, you, you, you and I have been Chargers fans a similar amount of time. We've had our hearts broken, but you know, you've got to respect the guy. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed that he's um, retiring. I mean, it was always going to happen, but he's always been an, a, a kind of just enjoyable player to watch. Um, I mean, lucky enough to see him play live at Wembley a few times, even though all those games were very one-sided. If I remember, there was a Patriots-Rams game, maybe, that I was, was there, yeah. like like 50-7 to seven or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a shame. But, it's, I, I mean, he's, what, he's 83 years old, so it's about time. <laughs> Give or take. I, I don't know how old he is. He's what forty-four. Old enough, still good, but, still one of the best. Still, unfortunately. still good, um, but definitely in the twilight of his quarterbacking career. Um, but he was still playing at uh, such a high level that it's it's surprising to see him take the choice to say that's it, I'm out, rather than like let time beat him. I'm glad that he's calling it himself and not letting it get called for him. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, was he does leave the Buccaneers with plenty of baggage in the cap department. They are a little bit screwed. Um, 
is it a bit selfish of, of Brady not to see that project through, or, or, or is it reasonable for him to go? I'm gonna, look, listen, I don't care if I never hear his name ever again. Seven Super Bowls or not, he's responsible for so many UK-based Patriots. It's ridiculous. They are the Man United of the NFL. Bore off. Not interested. Tom well, is a great, great footballer. I don't want to hear his name ever again. And that will be the last we talk about him because this is not a <laughs> is it look podcast he's been a great him. servant of the game. He set the benchmark. There's a lot of players have got to do a lot of work to get anywhere near him, but that's enough. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. So now let's turn our attention to the Chargers, who we're, you know, you're all here to listen about. So I want to, to ask each and every one of you, starting with Was, it's time to give some awards. I haven't got the kitty to buy a trophy and post it to California. So some imaginary trophies. Who are your players of the season? Was, kick us off. What is your rationale? Who's right. excited you in 2021? So players of the season, not named Justin Herbert, because that would just be too easy. I think um, I think Kaiser White needs needs a nomination just for, for the way that he he put himself about on defense, um, and I think it was a big year for Derwin James. The fact that he played most of the games, um, he obviously had that hamstring injury. So those two guys get the nod on defense. But I want to I want to give a lot of credit to Rashawn Slater, rookie. There's a reason why offensive tackles go in the first round. It's a very, very, the blind side block is a very, very difficult uh, position to play. When you come with a reputation from college football, you've got the premier edge rushers in the league are wanting to take you down and make an example of you. And I think Rashawn was exemplary uh, on, the, on the left-hand side of our offensive line. You know, it'd be, I've already mentioned Her Herbert's the man, Herbert's the man, but it'd just be a little bit too obvious just to talk about how good he is and the fact that he's arguably the best player in our roster. I know I wouldn't disagree. You're sort of stealing everyone's sandwiches with those names. And I agree we leave Justin Herbert out of it. Um, if you don't mention Derwin James in this conversation, you know, you're just wrong. But surely there's another name, another twist. Throw some names out there, guys. John, do you disagree? Have you got some special guy up your sleeve for your awards? <laughs> I mean, I don't really, I think it's hard not to go back to, you know, the most important player on the offense, and the most important player on the defense. I mean, they really were, you know, Herbert and, and James really were the, the two most important for both units. I mean, James's impact was felt. I mean, I couldn't imagine how bad this defense would have been uh, without James. I mean, there were many times where he alone helped stop drives or he alone was, you know, was responsible for affecting a play so much, right? So it's really, really tough to um, to kind of pick someone outside of it. I mean, obviously, you know, you could go Rashawn Slater. You know, that's you know, obviously our rookie, our uh, best rookie pick uh, in, in a long time. And, you know, he, he could he could be up there for the offense. Um, other than that, I don't think there's anybody else on the offensive side of the ball that really contributed so much more. I mean, Mike Williams had a career year, I guess. But, uh, I mean, honestly, again, you, you know my feelings on Mike. He's, he's a great player, and I love the chemistry. But you take him off the team and fill him with somebody, you know, of similar ilk uh, as a you know another high-end wide receiver, too. I think you get some of the similar production. I think a lot of that was more of Herbert and the offensive play design, getting him open versus him making things happen. So I can't give him any kind of an award. Uh, Allen was good and solid, and he was what we wanted Allen to be. We would have loved to see him targeted a little bit more, but I think sometimes it's just the game played away from it. So, and Eckler was great, but I mean, so many drops. Like, it can't award 
Eckler anything with the amount of drops that he had, the amount of mental mistakes and fumbles. Like he was just, he had too many mistakes. I think maybe he was trying too hard or whatever to give him any kind of offensive award. And then on the defense side of the ball, Bosa, Bosa was good. He affected every play. He was getting double, triple teamed. He was, you know, he is what it is. Maybe Kaiser White, Kaiser White had a good, you know, had a good year. Um, you know, he really stepped up and showed that he is, you know, the leader in that linebacker room. But again, like, I just don't know if he affected the game anywhere near the level that Derwin James did. So, you know, it's hard for me to call anybody else out uh, on the, either side of the ball. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where I feel on that. And I'll, I'll jump to a name that, that John just mentioned there. Um, I think the the metal handyman should go to Austin Eckler. The <laughs> metal being, handyman, love it. Yeah, well, he's he's clearly unbranded, um, but it's a little statue. Um, so I, I think Austin Eckler, um, the guy manages to get stuff done when you don't expect it, just like a certain plumber who you wouldn't expect to be able to save a princess. <laughs> um, you mentioned his fumbles there. He didn't fumble a single rush. So, like, he's, he's got that at least. Um, and he had fewer drops than some more um, predominant targets. But then you'd expect more drops with more targets. Um, if he had the same kind of level of targets, you'd expect um, the same level of drops, I believe. Um, but, yeah, I think overall 1,500-something yards. Um, yeah, really impressive. Without him, you could definitely yeah. see... <clears throat> the lack in kind of cohesion. I mean, we did have that one game where Justin Jackson came in and played pretty well, mm. but that was one game. Um, His one game I think where he we, turns up. We looked at the, like one of the last times we recorded, we looked at the games we lost and the games we lost, I think were generally games where Eckler wasn't our leading rusher. When Eckler was our leading rusher, I think we only lost once. He is he is exceptional talent. He's a mini McCaffrey, and because of McCaffrey's injury, better, more reliable. He got me through to playoff finals everywhere I drafted him. I don't like to draft Chargers fat, uh, players because I think it's a jinx. But he delivered uh, week in week out when he was healthy. He was there oh, I do it every year. I always <laughs> draft Herbert. You're the jinx. I, I think I've had Herbert in a few dynasty leagues for well since day one. Herbert had more drops, didn't he, than any other uh, QB, I believe, in the regular season. And we've got to work on that next year. That that's not good enough. I mean, Alan, Mike Williams, um, Austin Eckler, they set high standards for what they do. And I think there'll be a lot of players coming back next season, you know, looking at tape of, of this season and going, you know, we don't want to make those same mistakes again. Well, I'm I'm gonna just say to you, the as usual, you're all wrong. Isn't it's incorrect? I'm going to give a double award to my joint players of the season. You're going Eastern they, Stick and Chase Daniel, aren't you? <laughs> I'd like to. They, they they were close runners up. I give them a silver medal. But my two players both play on the D line. The first guy I give him the award because he stepped up and became the player I kind of hoped he would be, and that is Tillery. I know you're going to scream at me. You've all hate him. You all think he's but behind Bosa, Jerry Tillery had four and a half sacks. He was the only he had the same number of tackles as Bosa. And he had games where he influenced it and got us a victory. I've started re-watching some of the tape. There are games, especially early in the season, where he really dominated. He is inconsistent, but I just want to see that progression. But the real winner for me is the guy that when he came back into the team, our D-line stepped up and improved its game. Every game he played and every snap he played for me was incredible. 
and the entire defensive unit became better. And that is Justin Jones. I, I think he was even more impressive than, than Bosa. Bosa is an elite talent, but the D-line as a whole came together when Justin was on the field. Don't care what you say. He He's a great player for me, and he's going to get my Bez Eat Your Hat Award for 2020. I, I, think, uh, I think Bosa tends to struggle a little bit when... We're we're using him in a, in a primary role as as a, as a primary edge rusher. When when he used to bounce off Melvin Ingram, um, you know, uh, the 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 offensive line weren't looking for Joey all the time. I think that's where we got the benefit. But I think so much pressure and and so much expected of Joey. I think that's sometimes his downfall because he is that good. I couldn't agree more. Um, we're going to turn our attention. To, from awards, and we're turning attention to a big talking point. It's all over Twitter. I've been, I've got a poll. I've been asking our followers on Twitter whether they feel that Tom Telesco has been a success or not. He is uh, a controversial person right now in 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 the Chargers history. He has hired three head coaches. Staley's first season. He had Mike McCoy for four years and he had Anthony Lynn for four years. We've reached the playoffs in that period of time twice in 2013, where we beat the Bengals um, before losing to the Broncos. And in 2018, where we beat the... Who did we beat in 2018? Uh, we beat the Ravens. The Ravens. Oh, the Ravens. Ravens and then we, the Ravens. And then we lost to the Patriots. Um, and apart from that... You know, his overall record is 69 and 76. I asked our followers on Twitter whether they thought he'd been successful or not. And the results, I can tell you, are 82% think he has not been a success. Given the failures, given that Staley has been brought in but hasn't made the playoffs again when in that position, and we have a distinct lack of depth, was, do you think Telesco should be fired? Put with a hot seat. Um, uh, do you know what? I honestly don't know. For once, I haven't got an opinion. Uh, it'd be easy to sit here and say, give another season. It would be easy to sit here and say, yeah, he should be fired. Based on that record, the base of fact that he hasn't made the playoffs, yes, he should be fired. And it, it, some of his drafts, have been questionable. 2020, with the exception of Herbert, which will arguably be his best draft ever, uh, his, his best selection ever, um, was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, John's brought this up numerous times. It's when you in your in the first round, you're gonna if you've got a high draft pick, you're gonna get a stud. It's very, very difficult to get a bust unless you're drafting Ryan Leaf or Johnny Manziel or Tim Tebow. But based on his record. And based on the fact that we are being very impotent in trying to uh, find a seat at January football, based on that, yes. That is a bold call. I'm going to go around the room. I want to hear Dan. I want to say, you know, it, it's quite a bold. It's clearly not going to happen. We're not getting rid of Telesco in real life. But you are now the owner. I'm giving you the franchise. Here you go, Dan. It, does Telesco get this, or, or you know, does, does, do we need to see the Staley project out a little longer? I'd fire Telesco immediately. I wrote an article um, on charged.box.com uh, back in December 2020. 
is it time for the Chargers to fire Tom Telesco? And my answer was, I believe it's time for the Chargers to clear house. He has such a bad record for someone who's been in that position that long. No other general manager that has been employed for as long, give or take, like even a year, has had such a bad record in that time. You look back to AJ Smith, Telesco's predecessor. Even he had a winning record in his time. Yeah, he was a bit like terrible when it came to the contracts for the bigger players. He had his own flaws. But like, come on, Telesco, this is not working. Like, we've just got so many holes. He spends so much of his draft capital on linebackers as well. And you look at the people he's brought in. Kenneth Murray, what, what happened there? It's just it's just mind-boggling that he's still there and still just skirting by us. Hey, I'm the nice guy, Tom Telesco. Like, come on. <laughs> it's it's just it's it's yeah, it's frustrating. Um You've been leading this charge, haven't you, Dan, really? You've you've said all along that you felt that it was time for him to go and uh, we're perhaps catching up. Yeah, that's fair. I'm a bit of a trendsetter. It's this pretty pretty well known. Um, An early adopter. He reads the room, this guy. John, be the voice of reason. Surely. Hang on, hang on. Surely. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Before John answers, I'm getting my popcorn because this is going to be fiery. I can feel it. I can feel it. <laughs> oh, dear. It, well, he's on mute, so we won't, we won't be able to hear him. I, I was just waiting for my turn. I just Here uh, he is. Here he goes. Go. I, I'm fine with Telesco, you know? Let him have another year. Why not? So, uh, no, honestly, like, I, I I come out with a lot of disdain because there's a lot of people try to uh, who try to you know back him up and, and defend him and I just don't think there's any defense for it and I, I honestly do do not know what Spanos uses to evaluate his general manager right is it putting on putting out a team that's good enough to com- that's good enough to be considered a contender uh, a dark horse contender but never actually good enough to contend while staying under budget if that's it then yeah he's a great gm that's great you know um is it someone who can pick the obvious choice in round one and succeed there uh but completely fail in the mid to later rounds then great he's definitely passed that test right i don't know exactly what it is that they use what kind of metrics because it's not wins it's not playoff appearances it's not player development uh because we've seen time and time again players go into his coaches systems and fail it wasn't hiring coaches because hiring and firing coaches and coordinators has not gone well right every time he's hired a coach it so far it hasn't gone well every time he's forced a coordinator a coach to keep a coordinator that coordinator has ended up flaming out so i just don't understand exactly what metrics we use to gauge tom palesco as a good gm uh because i don't understand it there, there's to me there's not enough data to support that and uh at this point you know, you can say that he's been building up to, to a year like this where he's got cap space and he's got draft picks and the team is, you know, the team is what feels like a, a few players away from really being something, then fine. Fine, give him this year. Then that's what I'll say. Give him this year. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think you should give anybody else the reins. I think he's got it. He's got his coach in place, his third coach, by the way, but he's got his coach in place. He's got the majority of his team in place. He's got to make some fixes on the defensive side of the ball and maybe a few tweaks on the offensive side of the ball, but let him do his thing and let, let's judge him based off this year. Okay. If he cannot put together a winner this year, a team that makes it to the playoffs and is a serious contender, not a team that sneaks in with a record barely above 500. I'm talking about a real contender in the playoffs. Okay. If he cannot produce that after this year, he should absolutely be fired. There's no reason to keep him around. Okay. So 
I mean, go ahead and do your deal, Tom. You know, he told, told him in the pressure he doesn't have any specific um, feeling of pressure this season. It's every pre- every season's a new season of pressure. But you know what? He should. He should be on the hot seat. And if this team fails again next season, his he, he needs to be done. It's his fault. There's not there's literally nothing else that you can take over the last nine years as a constant except for him. So, you know, give him this last year. This is his hurrah. And if he doesn't do it, then he's done. Then get rid of him because I I just can't stand it anymore. But if he if, if he puts out a winner, then okay, good for him. Took him ten I years, but he did it. I think he's <laughs> under a lot of pressure this year, John. Not because of the fact that he's been there for ten years. You've got Joshua Daniel now going to Raiders building. You know, the Broncos have hired uh, Nathaniel Hackett. We don't know how that's going to turn out, but that's that's two uh, that's the, that's the other two rivals in our division that uh, are trying to make improvements off the field. And then you've got the division that runs through Kansas City year in year out. So I think this is of huge importance. And like you've already said, you know, we should we we should be serious contenders for the playoffs and not just sneaking in with a wild card. We had the division at one point and we let it slip. Um, so I think he's got a massive year ahead of him and he needs to pull his finger out and spend some of that cap space. Well, it's not just that. He has absolutely and utterly let us all down. I believed in him. I love the guy. I, I saw him building a franchise, replacing Rivers and getting Herbert, moving us forward. But every year... He isn't delivering enough for our charges. I haven't seen the charges ever win the division since I've been a fan. And he's the guy that should have delivered it by now. He's had talented teams around him. But do you know what's happened? In in the same time that Telesco has been our GM, the Chiefs had the first round pick, first overall pick in the draft, to now a perennial Super Bowl contender. The Broncos have won it in that period of time. And even the Raiders went to the playoffs this season despite the absolute dumpster fire that that organisation can be at times. Whereas Telesco, he enjoys mediocrity too much. He built through the draft, but he he swings and misses more than he hits because he only hits when he really gets a nailed-on guy that falls to him in the draft. That isn't good enough. In free agency, he's timid. We all, we all like a Telesco bargain. Telesco bargains prop up your franchise. They don't take you up. Because look what the Rams do. The Rams go after the players. They trade for players. They don't care about the draft. They want to win now. And they go into free agency every time. And where are they? Back in a second Super Bowl in the same time that Tlesco has only managed two playoff appearances and two wins for his franchise. The worst and damning thing is that the biggest weakness of our organisation right now is a lack of depth. We have star talent across the field on both sides. We're even scoring return touchdowns with Roberts. Well done. But there's a such injuries exposed depth, and that is a GM roster-building issue. And after 10 years, coming into his 10th season, Telesco's lack of depth, working with his team, working with his head coaches, is a major, major failure. I'm sorry, Tom. I think it's time to go. You're not going to get it. You'll get that last season to see if Staley can get us back in the playoffs and make a run. It's too little too late. And I think we need someone much more ruthless. If the Rams uh, uh, win the Super Bowl, on, as we are in the UK, when the Super Bowl finishes, it'll be Valentine's Day. If they're there with Valentine's Day world champions, don't get me started, not world champions, but anyway, with the world champions paper <laughs> and all the confetti, then, Tom, you have failed us. So I'm I'm livid. I'm furious. It's now or never, Tom. And, and I think that, that that's my point when I know John and I have had a slight disagreement about how long does Staley get. I think there's so much work to be done 
to get this team going forward. That's why I think Staley might need two or three more years on top of what he's already got, because the fact that we've not been we, we've not brought that depth in. I mean, that was a good good point uh, about the Chiefs having the number one overall pick not that long ago, and now it looks like they're favourites every year to win the Super Bowl. Well, it tells, tells you, you know, they went and had a bold hire that we we didn't we choose Mike McCoy at the same year. I, I mean, obviously, it has to be mutual and, and yes. your coach has to pick you. But it just shows you that these franchises around us are going from zero to hero, driving themselves, apart from the Jaguars, the Jets, the Lions, but fair enough, and the Texans. I don't want to be in that camp. I don't want to be. I, you either choose one way or another. You either go bold and you draft and trade and spend money and really risk it and go for it. And sometimes that doesn't work, but it's bold and you try. And it's worked for the Rams. And it's worked for the Chiefs. Question for you all. I might hand this over to John. Who, who would you bring in as a GM, John, if, if you if you were the owner? Is there any names out there that... Hmm. Um, I'd have to really look. Uh, I'd have to really look to see kind of who's out there uh, and who might be available. But uh, I would say I'd look at organizations that have done a good job um, drafting develop, and developing players. Developing being a key word there. Uh, so identifying good talent and then allowing that talent to develop, uh, and also uh, who also come from an organization that's willing to take a big swing in. in uh, um, and, and honestly, I wouldn't look too far. I might look across the aisle and look at uh, who's in charge of player personnel over with the Rams. Okay, uh, I mean, again, not everybody can operate the same way, but you know, if, if you really look into the Rams, it's not just like, oh, hey, they've built their team through free agency. They haven't actually. They have one of the uh, the highest roster, the highest homegrown talent on the mm -hmm. roster in the league. Okay, yeah. and then what do they do? So they homegrown, and they, again, a lot of those guys are depth, or they're they're good starters, but they're maybe not number one starters. And then what do they do? They say they, hey, we build depth, we build a solid team here, and then how do we put our team over the top? We bring in the big talent that we need, right? That's what I want. I want somebody who's been brought up in that system who says, look, I know how to build from within, but I also know when I have to spend money to fill in holes to get us over the hump. And that's who I'd like to see. I'd like to see someone in that organization, right? I'd like to see someone uh, in an organization, um, you know, maybe from, you know, Kansas City, I think does a good job uh, with how they handle their budget and how they handle players. Uh, and who are coming in and out of there. I think that might be a good organization to look internally and see, hey, is there, a, is there a rising young executive in there that could be brought in? So, you know, again, top of my head, I don't have any um, – top of my head, I don't really have anyone specifically that I would call out as, hey, this is, you know, this is an organization where I would definitely say, hey, this is where to go. But I think there are definitely some good examples of, uh, of places where you've got a, a good uh, – team in place because the the executive committee has done a good job scouting bringing in and then pulling the trigger when they need to right so i think there's plenty of places that they could look to find talent so i'm not worried about finding a gm dan you you want to get rid of tom do you think that we should go divisional do you think we should go old school experienced bring in a young guy like the browns have have you got any particular fiery passion just, just to touch back on telesco when i say fire immediately i mean post-draft there's no point in firing a GM now. Like all the scouting's kind of already done and underway, and just like there's no point in firing until post draft. Um, I mean, would it would it be any different if we just took the consensus top player and just drafted that person fair. each time our camp come? Because that's I'm fair. pretty sure how Telesco does it. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure that's how he does it. He just says, hey, what are the consensus top players? That way, when I pick this guy, I get really I good draft that. grades by all the draft Knicks. And then if they don't pan out, I can just say, oh, they didn't develop, right? One thing I, was really, I really think he does that. I don't think he scouts. I think he just looks at the – he goes like, look, hey, everybody loves this player. I'm going to pick him, right? And then in, That's how the I end, do like, Oh, what a great value. He's so great. We love this guy. Oh, what a great draft. A minus. A B plus. Oh, A, what a great drafter, right? Okay, and that's great. Someone pulled out some bullshit stat. I don't remember who it was, and I'm not going to put him on blast, but they pull out some garbage stat where they're like, oh, Telesco has some has had some of the top graded dr- uh, drafts after the draft. Well, no crap, because he drafts like that. He drafts what looks like the best player available based off this consensus, as opposed to actually scouting and making up his own decisions and, hey, this is the guy I like. That's who I'm going to draft, right? So he gets great draft grades. Ooh, we loved him. Draft Knicks love him. Ooh, we love who he drafts. And guess what? They all fail out, okay? I say this time and time again. Um, I say it time and time again. Look at the guys who he's gone after. Look at the guys uh, who he specifically said, hey, this is who I want. This is who I'm targeting. I will overdraft them, right? Like Pipkins. I'm going to overdraft this guy. I'm going to trade assets away to get him. Oh, I love me some Manti Teo. Oh, 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 I love that, right? That When he's put in that position, he has swung and missed every time. Show me a guy he's tr- he's traded up to draft and tell me, okay, this guy is super successful. Has not happened, None. okay? No, absolutely he not. Is- I really think he's poor at player evaluation. I think he looks at metrics and he looks at these t- intangibles and goes, oh, this guy's got it all. And then they fail. Great, great draft grades, poor production. So you just make me think of um, hire him now if you want to. I don't care. You just make me think of um, Mike Mayock and how he's gone from being one of the draft Knicks who's got this great like reputation of building this massive draft board then gets the job as GM and fails miserably by not <laughs> following the consensus and by no. taking players like, what was it, Cleland Farrell, and just like, okay, okay, Mike. Um, but to answer your question, Bez, I'd probably look at some of the organizations that have a regular winning record, appear to have depth, and look for someone young who has been in that system for a good maybe five years. Just see if there's anyone under... Um, Recently departing Pittsburgh Steelers GM, uh, what's his name? Kevin Colbert. See if there's anyone there or someone under Eric DaCosta. Or... Yeah, I, don't, I don't want anyone who decides their team who's got an aging quarterback and holes along the offensive line. I don't want anyone who decides, you know what, I'm going to draft a running back in round one. That seems like good value. Yeah, yeah I'll pass <laughs> on that. I'll pass on that executive tree. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I, I just went in, in general. I understand. Yeah, and it's someone who's learned the right way. Um, I to finish the, tonight's show. I I think I've solved our issue. I think I have the perfect replacement for Tom Telesco when we fire him. Assistant GM of the Bengals. Assistant GM uh, of the Bengals. No, no. <laughs> Justin Herbert. Better, he didn't do why not? Better, better than all of these. It's someone who's seen in his NFL career consistent success more than anyone else. Is it Sonny from Draft Day? He if knows say, how to set records. If you he say Tom is, Brady, I swear to God. Don't don't say Drew it. Brees. No. <laughs> no, not Tom Brady, the GM. I'm bringing Tom Brady, just, getting him in the I'm job. Just log, I'm just logging off. Just logging off. Daniel Jeremiah. There we go. <laughs> Calling Tom Brady to come to rescues. We didn't get him as a quarterback, as a free, as free agent, so we'll get him as a GM. Daniel Jeremiah knows the team, knows the role. <laughs> Why not? Guys, it's been a pleasure. So here's what's coming up, though, in the next few weeks. We've got something really exciting for all of you, all of you loyal listeners. What we're going to do is each one of us co-hosts is going to be Tom Telesco for a week. We're going to tell you the players we would keep 
cut, extend, resign. The players in free agency will go after. We're going to talk about the draft targets we have. We will be Tom Telesco. And then we will put our case to the podcast. The other co-hosts will grade us and say whether tear us to pieces or whether they agree with us. And we will each create our own roster for you to vote on in four episodes time, which you think is going to be the most successful. Um, so, guys, we're going to put that plan in place. Big off-season coming up. There is Super Bowl, Pro Bowl coming up. Super Bowl is in a couple of weeks. Um, we will have a, a post, post um, Pro Bowl, pre-Super Bowl episode. Um, but, guys, anything else before we finish up from you? No, just that the Super Bowl is going to end in a tie. <laughs> Just plays on forever. Well, yeah. guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we, we've done ourselves proud. Don't forget, Tom Telesco will be the saviour of this organisation. Bow up. <laughs>